0: I am so glad to be here. Um, I want you to know I love being a part of this team. God uh, crossed my paths with Pastor Rob Ketterling about 10 years ago now, and I wish it would have been about 10 years before that. But when I met Pastor Rob, we had one campus in Apple Valley um, with about 800, 850 people. But there was something about the call on Pastor Rob's life and his vision and his genuineness and his authenticity that just gripped my heart. And I said, I want to be a part of that church, never thinking I'd wind up on staff. Just that I've grown up in the business world. I've always had a teaching call on my life. I always taught the gospel, but I never saw myself going full-time into ministry, and now here I is. So you're stuck with me this morning. Um, I'm going to start the second message in our series, Dangerous Prayers. Pastor Rob's started it last week. He taught, not my will, but your will be done. And he's really set the stage for all of our summer, the rest of our summer around here. You know, when we started this year, Pastor Rob set the theme called Perfect Work. I hope a lot of you were in Perfect Work life groups. The whole goal was to help us grow in Christ, to help us mature in Christ, not just Not just barely get by in Christ, but Pastor Rob's vision is to have us thrive and flourish in our relationship with Jesus Christ. So this whole year is about that. And this series, Dangerous Prayers, is about turning up the heat in our prayer life. Because if you're anything like me, yes, I'll admit this, even as a pastor, there are times my prayer life can get just a little boring. You're all looking at me like that doesn't happen to you. Come on. Right? We're human. Even the disciples who were with Jesus when he was praying powerful prayers, even they fell asleep. You're going to battle against the forces of darkness with your prayer life. But I can tell you it's the best battle to engage in and the best battle to win. And this whole series is designed to set you up to have a thriving, vibrant prayer life. Because that's really what it's all about. Imagine being married to somebody for 10 years and never talking to them. I have a I have a word of prophecy for that marriage. It's not going to last. Right? That's not even prophetic. That's just pathetic is what it is. It's the reality is without communication, relationship breaks down. Prayer is about communicating with God. And this whole, the rest of the summer, we're going to, we're going to fuel your communication with God. So today I'm going to build on what Pastor Rob taught. A little bit different language, uh, phrase, and an entirely different emphasis, but just as powerful as not my will, but your will be done. Short prayer this week. I'm going to ask you to pray it every day. I'm going to ask you to pray it multiple times a day. And in fact, as you hear this, you're going to realize God's already allowed, you're you already allowing God to do this if you're a Christ follower, but you need to be diligent about it. Simple prayer, Lord, mold me. Not make me moldy, that happened in June. With all the rain we had, some of you are, no. But today it's about, Lord, mold me. Make me who you want me to be, and this comes out of the book of Jeremiah. But before we read the first um, verse in Jeremiah, I want to I want to talk, set the stage a little bit. Jeremiah was a prophet to the nation of Israel when Israel was off the rails. Can I just tell you that? Remember, in the Old Testament, the Israelites are always battling the otherites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, the Hittites, the Canaanites, the Malachites, the whatever kite and it that was out there. They were always battling them. They, but instead of battling them, by the time Jeremiah was a prophet, they had given in to them. And they were adopting their culture and they were following their ways. And they would turned their back on God and they'd walked away from the things of God. They'd walked away from their covenant with God. They were living more like the world and the ites around them. I think that's why we have a lot of itis in our society today rather than pursuing God. Does this sound like a relevant message for us today? So Jeremiah, God spoke to Jeremiah, and he said, go down to the potter's house, Jeremiah 18.1, the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will let you hear my words. So I went down to the potter's house, and there he was working at his wheel, and the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand. And he, the potter, reworked it into another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to do. Then the word of the Lord came to me, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter has done, declares the Lord. Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. Let's take a moment and look at this. Two key pieces in this this word that Jeremiah got from God. One's the potter, one's the clay. Do we know which one we are? Let me be clear, because I confess up, I forget this. And in fact, God reminded me how much I had forgotten who was the potter and who was the clay this week. God's the potter. We're the clay. And when we mess that up, when we think we can mold and form our own lives and run our own agenda and set our own goals and achieve them all by ourselves, we're missing the whole point of this, and we wind up in the same situation that the children of Israel did. A few things about clay. Since we're all clay, let's talk about who we are. First thing you need to know about clay, pretty obvious. It's messy. I am. Anybody else relate to that? Thank you for being so honest. Clay's messy. It's wet. It's slimy. It's gross. It's messy, except to the potter. And the potter loves to have his hands in that messy clay. That's when it starts, right? Okay, later it becomes really beautiful, but when he starts with it, it's messy. Clay is also ugly by itself. Just a lump of clay sitting on a potter's wheel is just ugly. Not a lot of form to it, not a lot of color to it. That comes later through the firing. We're not going to go there because that's another message, all right? But when, you st- when the potter starts with clay, it's just lumpy. It's brown. It's gray, no vibrancy, nothing of beauty to look at. Third, every bit of clay that a potter starts with has impurities in it. Every bit of clay. There is no perfect clay on the face of the earth. Every bit of clay has impurities in it. So that means we're all in here together. I might be standing on the platform. I might have the microphone on. But I'm speaking to you as someone that's still in the purification, sanctification process. I have not arrived. Paul wrote that in Philippians 2. I haven't reached the mark yet, I'm, but I'm pressing on, and I'm just, I just want to be as on fire for God so that I can get as many people to press on with me. So I'm going to, and I'll be honest a couple of times today about where I, my impurities are getting worked out, but we all have impurities, so let's take the mask off. That's what I love about our church. We're authentic. There's no perfect among us. And if you are perfect walking in here looking for a perfect church, we've just, you've just confirmed that this is an imperfect place. And if you're looking for a perfect church, this ain't the place for you. All we can do is set our hearts on God and let him work his work in our lives. Right? So we've got this ugly, messy, imperfect clay But I love this last piece that was so demonstrated in this scripture passage. It says, when the impurities mar the clay, when there's impurities that the potter discovers in the clay, when the clay breaks down, the potter still has the power to rework it and make something beautiful out of it. And as I was studying this yesterday morning, it came so clearly to me. Some of you sitting especially in this service you think you're too marred too broken too imperfect too many mistakes in the past that God can't remake your life and make something beautiful I'm telling you that's a lie from the enemy. If you'll simply yield to the potter's hands no matter where you are in life he will turn it around and make something beautiful out of it You just have to put yourself back in his hands. Now, can I tell you, being on the potter's wheel starts when we ask Jesus Christ to be Lord of our lives. That starts the process. Maybe some of you did that here. You raised your hand in response to an invitation at the end of one of our messages. Maybe you did it someplace else. I made that decision when I was nine years old, following watching Billy Graham on TV. I was watching it with my parents and my family, and I said, yeah. I can relate to that. I'm a sinner. I just did something that day that messed, you know, whatever a nine-year-old can do to mess up their life. But I made that decision they. Now, mm, that many years later, I'm still in the process of being mold-informed. I was accepted in that moment. Fully loved, fully accepted, fully received into the family of God. I was adopted. I became a daughter of God in that moment at nine years old. I don't need to be perfect I don't need to be molded to be accepted by God. I was accepted in that moment. Same with you. The molding process is not about being good enough for God. We can't be. We can never be good enough for God. But the molding process is all about bringing out God's beauty in our lives. Because those impurities are in us, it's called sin we need the hands of the potter on our lives to mold beauty. And if you don't think you need that molding, can I, can I just share a couple of ideas with you? Have you ever gotten passionate about working out? and done your lunges and done your squats and done your weights and done P90X and you start eating well and all that kind of stuff and you get back in shape and you lose the weight and you go down some belt sizes or you go down some dress sizes or pant sizes or whatever that is and you feel, yes, that's so good! And then life happens and life gets busy and you don't do that anymore and then what happens? It just comes right back, right? There's something about weight that just likes to find its way back to my hips. I don't know what that is unless we keep pressing toward health and wholeness all the other stuff just kind of comes into our heart into our lives another example anybody go to home depot this year and buy a bag of weed seed but did anybody have weeds in their in their flowers or weeds in your lawn anybody plant dandelions this spring hoping for a full crop of dandelions we just don't do that, right? It's just, it's just there. Those impurities in our lives, the dandelions in our lives just happen because we live in a sinful, corrupt place. And unless we apply work against it, unless you, you treat your lawn or you cut them out or you curse at them, whatever, I don't think that works either, and don't do that, right? But they're going to come back. They're going to show up. So we don't get to just say, God, yes, Jesus, I'll follow you, but I'll talk to you later, and I'll run my own life. I got it, God. I got this life. I know what I'm supposed to do. I know the difference between good and evil. I know what works for me. God, I'll just talk to you later. I'll come to church every Sunday, but don't bug me the rest of the time, right? I got a career to build. I got to marry. I got got to find a husband. I got to find a wife. I got to raise these little rugrats. God, just don't talk to me. I can figure it out on my own. That's what happens. And you know what? It slips up on us. Can I tell you that? It just slips up on us. We slowly slide away. If those things happened in our life overnight, we would get back to God quickly. But it takes time for dandelions and weeds to grow. It takes time for pounds to come back where we fought so hard to get it off us. It takes time for impurities to show up, but they show up. And that's why we need the hands of the potter on our lives. Now, I don't know about you and what God's working on in, you, in your life, but can I just be transparent about what God's been working on in my life for a very long time? It's called impatience. See, I'm I'm one of those people that love to get things done. I love checking off the to-do list. I love making progress. I love, I live, if you watch me walk when I'm not around here, I have to consciously tell myself to slow down when I'm at church. Because otherwise I'm just buzzing around. I'm just, I just, I run fast. Maybe that's because of the caffeine that I drink. But I just, I just like to be on the move and get things done. You know? Now, don't, don't, don't judge me because I'm going to tell you a story. But God's been dealing with me. He said, Lindsay, if love is patient, then what is impatience? Yeah, he kind of took me out at the knees many years ago about that. See, I've been on a journey with my elderly parents for about the last 10 years. Their, their health has changed over time. My father went home to be with Jesus last year. I still have my mom. She's 92. Love her dearly. And I prioritize time with her because I just don't know how much time I have left. So Friday morning, I got up and studied this message. God, mold me. I was praying, God, mold me. God, help me to be a more patient, kind, gentle, because those don't come naturally to me. Help me to do that, Jesus. And see, he's been using mom and dad as a tool in my life now for over a decade to work that into me. So I took mom to lunch Friday at the original pancake house. She wanted pancakes and bacon. We got there at one o'clock. The restaurant closed at two. I thought, no problem. At 2:30, we were still in the restaurant because mom was still munching on her pancakes and bacon. She just loves being out and watching all the people. But then all of a sudden she noticed that there were people that were leaving. And I'm like, yeah, mom, not too many people left here. Restaurant closed at two. Oh, I'm still munching, I'm still eating. Guess what was going on in my heart? Come on, Mom. Now, I didn't act on it, but I did ask her repeatedly, Mom, are you done yet? And then about the fifth time, I asked her, Mom, are you done yet? I just heard God in my heart say, Relax and be patient. And I'm thinking and now you're going to want me to teach this message this weekend? God, you're not fair. (laughs) And I realized in that moment, using my elderly mom, God had his hands on my life, working out what isn't Christ-like about me. And there was an air bubble of impatience, another one. I'm like, God, will you ever get done molding impatience out of me molding me into the image of Christ I'm beginning to find out this is a lifelong journey and even in that moment when it didn't feel good I was thankful because you know what happened I changed my attitude by the grace of God and we had a really fun time the rest of the day But I had to realize how many times have I missed great moments with friends, with family, maybe for you that are married with your spouse, if you have kids, maybe with your kids, just because we're so... Yes, I am talking about 169 Monday through Friday morning. You know, uh, uh, let, me, let me read this. Oh, man. This message keeps getting longer every time I teach it, so I better hurry on. Ephesians, or 1 Peter 1 in the Message Bible, look at this. It says, don't lazily slip back into those old grooves of evil doing just what you feel like doing. You didn't know any better then but you do now, as obedient children, let yourselves be pulled into a way of life shaped by God's life, a life energetic and blazing with holiness. You call out to God for help, and we should when we have trouble, and he helps, and he's a good father that way, but don't forget he's also a responsible father and won't let you get by with sloppy living. This last phrase is one of my favorites. Your life is a journey. You must travel with the deep consciousness of God. You know, in our society, people love to compartmentalize things. Well, is a leader a good leader if in his private life he's a wreck? We debate that all day long. In the kingdom, There's no separation between public and private. There's no separation between sacred and secular. It is a life we must live with a deep consciousness of God in every area of life. At home, at work, in Target, on the freeway, with your mom eating pancakes and bacon for an hour and a half. Wherever you find yourself, God wants to have his hands on your life, molding you, shaping you, forming you. You see, I'm convinced that our prayer lives get really boring because we treat God like a to-do list. God, will you bless so-and-so? God, will you heal so-and-so? God, will you pay, give me that money to, to pay that bill? God, can you, can you give me a better promotion? God, can you do this for them? God, can you do that for them? God, if you just do that for them. God, they're, they're, God, do this. Parents, how good a relationship do you have with your kids when all your kids do is come, for you, come to you and ask you for money? In fact, let me spin this just a little bit. Parents, I think your kids want your attention more than your money. They want your heart more than the things you can buy for them. Your spouse wants your heart more than what you can buy for him or her. The most valuable gift you can give someone you love is your presence. You're engaged full attentive presence and honestly that's what this whole prayer lord mold me is all about god i give you this life last sunday i went to target i bought play-doh couldn't find molding modeling clay they either didn't have it or I wasn't looking good enough, and I thought that would be really messy if I had modeling clay up here. But I bought a, a pack of Play-Doh, and I opened the blue pack of Play-Doh last Sunday, and you can tell my Play-Doh modeling skills are really pitiful. That's the best heart I could come up with. And I left it out of the container all week long. Hard, cracked. It's actually gotten misshapen. And I think there's still hope for it, but I'm not a Play Doh expert. This is a fresh container of Play Doh. Moldable, pliable. This heart represents a life lived outside of God's hands, outside of God's molding, outside of God, make me more patient, make me more loving. God, I want to see the fruit of the Spirit in my life more than I want to see anything else. This heart says, God, I'm in your hands. Mold me into Christ-likeness. Now, I'm not a Play-Doh expert. Can you tell that? I'm really not good at this. I think a three-year-old would be better. But when I think about being in the hands of a loving Heavenly Father, now, mind you, sometimes we get scared about asking God to mold us because we think this is what God's going to do to us. Just mess us up because he's mad at us and he's just going to take it out on us. Can I tell you that's not your heavenly father? When God puts his hand on your life and he begins to mold your life, what he's looking for is, what he sees in us actually is Jesus. Galatians 2.20 says, it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ that lives in me. And when God starts molding on my life, he says, "Mm, that impatience doesn't look Christ-like. I gotta remove that. That fear, that's not Christ-like either. Jesus lived full of faith. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work in that area. I'm going to remove that because that's not like Jesus. Oh, that, that sinfulness, that penchant to do whatever, i got to remove that because that doesn't look like Jesus, and I see Jesus in here. Listen to what Michelangelo said. He was such a cool sculptor. i got to find it. Where to go? Ah! That's what I get. Here we go. Michelangelo, the greatest artist to ever live, said, In every block of marble I see a statue as plain as though it stood before me, shaped and perfect in attitude and action. I have only to hew away the rough walls that imprison that lovely statue to reveal to the other eyes as I see it. Now, I can't do it, but God sees Christ in you. And all he wants to do is mold out of you the things that are not like Christ and let Christ begin to be seen through you. See, the number one reason more people don't come to Jesus when unbelievers are surveyed, the number one reason people don't come to church when they're asked, because of the hypocrisy, because we're not living to our full potential because we're not living in the hands of our Master Potter. We're buying the lie that what the world can offer us, what the world can give us is better than anything that God can do with our life. Will you pray with me this week, Lord? Mold me. And don't pray, Lord. Mold me into the best doctor Or the best wife, just mold me into being Christ-like. Because that's who lives on the inside of us. Now, if you want to stand and pray this prayer with me, I've got a prayer for us to pray a prayer of commitment. If you would, please stand. If you want to pray this out loud, you're welcome to. If that's uncomfortable for you, I get it. You don't have to but just pray it quietly in your heart. And if you're not ready to pray this prayer, would you at least be honest with God about that? He can do something with an honest heart. But what I don't want you to do is pray this and not lean into God as you do it. Here we go. Heavenly Father, you're the potter and I'm the clay. You want to make something beautiful out of me. I cannot make myself better. I cannot mold myself into your image and likeness. I need your hands on this life. I yield to your hands. Mold me and shape me, Father, into all that you see I can be so that others will see Jesus in me and that you will be glorified. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for the reminder that we're clay. Gosh, Jesus, it's so easy to forget that in a society that tells us we're self-made and whatever we buy will make us happy. And when we achieve according to society's standards, God, We've arrived. And so we buy into that lie. and We start running our own lives. Father, today, I pray that we'll all step back. And we'll just recognize and acknowledge that we're the clay. We're imperfect. And that we desperately need your hands on our lives to mold us and shape us into the likeness of Jesus do it, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen and amen.